Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Why do we own dogs? Now, some of us here who are separate are thinking there's no good reason we own dogs. But we own our puppy dogs and our kitty cats because we love them. We like it when they curl up next to us or when they come running to the door when we get home. We like rubbing them down and grabbing their little noses or all the exact opposite if you own a cat. Here in the States, we love our pets to the tune of 77 million dogs and 58 million cats. I want to start with this because I'm about to compare us humans to dogs. See, I was watching Netflix the other day where all the best sermon illustrations come from. And there's this new show called Canine Interventions, top shelf entertainment, my people. But on Canine Interventions, puppy dogs are in trouble, like behavioral trouble. In episode number one, the dog is a pit bull named Lady Macbeth. Lady has recently been adopted and this little girl has grown up in an unstable, frightening environment. And now in her new home, she's lashing out at any new guests that walk through the front door. Her, or, her owner, Brendan, is totally in love with her. Like she sleeps on his bed every night kind of love. But Lady has bitten three of his friends and he's not sure if he's going to be able to keep her. This puppy dog is finally safe and secure but now she's a danger to others. So the trainer comes in and he takes Lady away and he works with her intensely every day for three weeks to become her pack leader. And the training is this, stay close to me, focus on me, pay attention to the positive reinforcement, the treats, and not to that really interesting car or other dog or new person. I have a task for you to do, i.e. sit, stay, lie down. Focus on me. This training is Lady Macbeth learning a new world, a safe world with new rules. She's learning how to live with people who aren't active threats to her. And it's different than the world that she grew up in. This is what God is doing in the Ten Commandments. God is teaching a traumatized people how to live in a new world, a world where they're safe. See, these Ten Commandments aren't just a word into the void. These Ten Commandments our word to God's people right in the middle of a book named Exodus. Exodus is the book of exit, of getting out and staying out. 
This is a book of getting free of toxic and traumatic situations. The Ten Commandments are a word to people who were very recently enslaved, who had built Pharaoh's temples, whether they wanted to or not, whose babies were taken, who hadn't owned their own bodies or their own destinies. This is why the Ten Commandments begin saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The Ten Commandments from, are God's next step in the work of salvation, of rescue. To hear what God is trying to say, you have to hear these words these commandment words as good news to a recently freed people. See, God loves this people. God has chosen this people, the Hebrews, out of all the peoples of the world to be God's people. God wants to be this people's, God wants to be this people's God. And for this people to be God's people, to walk in the garden together again to snuggle on the bed together, to be good boys and good girls who get to be off leash at the dog park, to be companions. But this scared people, a traumatized people. And as Dr. Nancy Good shared last month, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. But there is a God who is not willing to let these people go their own way. This God, the Lord God, who rescues them from slavery is a jealous God. A God who wants to keep these people in God's home. Wants them to enjoy a land flowing with milk and honey. God didn't liberate the Israelites so that they could drift apart and scatter. God liberated the Israelites so that they could be with God and so that they could be with one another as a new kind of people. But this new people needs training. They need to learn the new rules, the rules of healthy relating, rules that will help them to focus on God and rules that will help them not to hurt one another. They need to learn the basic commands, the sit, stay, down commands, so to speak, of how to live in free, nonviolent ways, ways that they hadn't seen living back in Egypt. These people recently released from slavery have to learn harmony. They have to modulate their lives so that they flow with the beat of God. They have to learn to get in rhythm with one another. They have to begin to keep time with the kingdom of heaven. So what is this beat that God is laying down? What are the basic commands that the Lord who brought the people out of the house of bondage wants to give to the people? First, the beat is focus. You shall have no other gods before me. Focus on me. 
pay attention to me. Take me seriously. Take my name, my identity seriously. I am your God, but I am not controlled by you. I am your pack leader. I'm not a pack leader like Pharaoh. I am who I am, and I will be who I will be. But who I am is the one who liberated you from Egypt. So pay attention. God is making explicit what the Lord has already been doing with the Israelites. God has been leading the Israelites by the fire by night and the cloud by day. It's a stop, go, stop, go. That is all about trust building. It's building a relationship of responsiveness and having to pay attention. You know, I want to take a brief detour here for a moment because God is supposed to define our lives, be that central pulse. But so often I hear people talking about the first and second commandments as if they mean that nothing and no one matter besides God. Yes, we do not live by bread alone, but we also don't live by God alone. Jesus rejected the bread when it was a temptation of Satan in the wilderness, but I'm assuming that he ate what his mom served him most other days. The commandment is not no other gods. The commandment is the Lord God be for all other gods. God is the path leader, the beat setter, the ultimate, the first. And I take that to mean that there can be second, that we can give thanks for good relationships and healthy food and interesting ideas and stimulating culture as gifts from God, as small g gods small g things that are sources of life and give us purpose and ask for our loyalties. Listen to your pastors, follow your influencers, watch Oprah, agree with your politicians, love your spouse, grow with your friends, work hard at your job. They can all be good small g gods. They're just second. Putting God before all things is like building a house. If you rough frame the house out and install the insulation and put up drywall and get those beautiful quartzite countertops in and pick out the most gorgeous light features from West Elm, but you never laid a foundation, you are building a house that is going to fail, to disappoint, to cause problems. The Lord who brought us out of Egypt, who brings us out of Egypt, who rescues us, keeps a space in our hearts that nobody and no thing can occupy. The Lord, the one who pulls us out of bondage, is our foundation that we can build upon. The lens that pulls our vision into focus. 
So the first beat is focus. The first tablet of the commandments is about focusing on God, making God your pack leader. But the beat goes on. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment, the second tablet, do not covet, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness. These are our limits, our no commands. Your hurt that hurts others has to have limits. Why? Because we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be alone and we're not meant to reenact the violence of slavery. The cycle has to stop. A new kind of community has to be born. These no commands aren't arbitrary. They're the commands necessary for us to be able to stick together in healthy ways. Murder, adultery, stealing, false testimony, coveting, these are the things that break communities down and drive people apart. They're a breaking of the ties that bind us together in healthy ways. They're the breaking of fidelity and hope and joy and cheering each other on, being each other's advocates. These are the things that our pack leader is telling us no to. No, you may not bite the guests. What I want us to see in these commands is that there is the room. These are bare bones, just the frame of the house. We are meant to rip off these timbers. We are meant to fill it in with drywall and paint to define what it means not to murder what it means to honor our parents, what it means not to bear false witness. And every person, every family, and every culture is going to riff somewhat differently. Their harmony, their notes are each gonna be a little different and that's okay. It's just, do all the notes sound good together? They might sound different, Maybe culture A likes minor keys and culture B likes major, but do they still flow? Do they still hit the beats that God has laid down? We can't determine if they do unless we are listening to our pack leader. See, in dog training, it's about the commands, but it's ultimately about the relationship. The trust that a dog has in its owner, the openness it has to respond to what the owner is asking of it. Paul puts this in Ephesians as pray at all times, be alert in the spirit. We're to listen to the Holy Spirit, the spirit that leads by the cloud by day and the fire by night. Pay attention. Pray to God at all times. Listen for the rhythm. Listen for the go and for the stop. This can be in trivial things or in big things. When I was in high school, I would be shopping down at Brass Plum, now known as BP, 
um, in Nordstrom at Washington Square. And I can remember there were times I would feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit as I considered a shirt to buy. You know, I really don't think that there was anything necessarily good or bad about shirt X. But I do think that God was teaching me to listen, to listen and to change my behavior in response to God's prompting, to be willing to be led, to be willing to have a pack leader. How can you listen to the Holy Spirit, be open to that fire by night and that cloud by day? I think about the therapists in our midst and maintaining that listening spirit to God within you, even as you listen to others. I think about our activists and our advocates being willing to go wholeheartedly when the spirit moves and then holding back when the spirit stops. Discerning the spirit is hard, but we're not alone in it. God is speaking to us as a community. We have each other to talk things through with, to share where we're being led. Because this, in fact, is what the book of Exodus is about. It's about God not just saving one person. It's about God saving a community, creating a community. The community of Israel, a community where the Lord is the center of their faith and community is the center of their lives. It's a community that is free to be in relationship, free to come up on the bed and to cuddle, free from the bonds of slavery so that they can be free for one another. It's about walking with God, walking with God till the kingdom comes. This is what God's divine training looks like to be focused on our pack leader and to be socialized. It's about allowing the cores of our lives to begin to relax into and follow the rhythm of the kingdom of heaven. This is why we go rejoicing till the kingdom of heaven has come. Amen.